Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name's John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked to see every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday. We take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we often don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in, especially when we didn't have a show on Friday. So we want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather up those questions and we address them here on companion videos. And yes, I said we, because we are all graced by the presence of Kimberly Curran here today. Kimberly, how you doing? I'm great. I'm doing awesome. And how, how are you? How's your post WandaVision hangover going? Oh my God. Are you managing the hangover? All right. Are you doing all so right? So emotional. So emotional. So I, emotional. I, there, it's, it's been the topic of some conversation. I, I love the finale. I, I mean, it. it didn't do what, you know, I was looking for that Shakespearean tragedy. Yes. End. But, you know, you don't worry about what you wanted it to do. You take it for what it is. It's like, you know what? Mm -hmm. That was a good ending. I, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was a great ending. So did I. And now listen, yeah. because we didn't have an episode of the John Campbell Show on Friday, that means a bunch of the questions we're going to get to first came in Thursday afternoon after the John Campia show, but prior to the WandaVision finale happening. So you're probably going to see a bunch of questions in here about people guessing what's going to happen in the finale. So, But then we'll get through those and get into the, the questions on Friday and such. So let's not waste any more time and get right into it. Kimberly, what is up first? All right, this is coming from Anonymous. They said, imagine if the finale ends up being, we find out that it's the plants affecting everything and Agatha is afraid of water. Oh, so they totally would go complete M. Night Shamhammer on that. M. Night Shamhammer. So that's a reference to, um, oh, what's the name of his movie? Signs. Uh, what's that? Signs. Well, signs with the water. Uh -huh. What was the one where all the trees and plants are coming to life and killing people? The happening. The happening. Thank you. <laughs> because it happened. Because and then it happened. It happened. it happened. Wouldn't that be funny if the MCU <laughs> went all M night? All right. What's next? Peter Tennant says, hi, John. Peacock is a good streaming service, but main problem. Peacock launched in April 15th, 2020. And now it's March 4th, 2021. And it still isn't on my on Amazon Fire Stick. I have to use my PlayStation. How can it be on one of the most used services in Amazon? This is the same problem that HBO Max had when they launched, because, of course, they launched without being on the two most popular streaming platforms in the world, Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. Now, they do have to get this addressed. I mean, Peacock can only get so big if you're not on all the services that people use. It's just that simple. They need to fix this. It's actually a pretty good service. I criticize them a lot because the name of the service is absolutely stupid. But, I mean, I've been watching Parks and Rec in the office, and, you know, my wife's been watching Saved by the Bell an awful lot on it, but they do have to fix this problem, P Peter. Uh, somebody should lose their job over this. Like, you, you can't launch and not be where all the streaming viewers are. They got to fix this. All right, what's next? Anonymous says, will the finale of WandaVision reveal to us Palpatine survived the Death Star destruction? <laughs> yeah, that well, somebody <laughs> has to. I mean, I still can't believe. Now, look, I am not a believer that movies and TV shows have to answer every single fucking question. I, I don't believe they do. I Actually, they really shouldn't to some degree. But your biggest, most... And, Palpatine was dead, and now you're just saying he's here. You have to give us some sort of idea. 
about how we managed being here without us having to read five of the expanded universe novels and all that kind of stuff. That was among the many problems with the rise of Skywalker. I mean, you know me, I love Star Wars and I've even loved most of the Disney era Star Wars, but rise of Skywalker was just an absolute mess. And that was just one of the reasons why. All right. What's next? Phil Corvelli says, I want to see Hugh Dancy as Mr. Fantastic. No particular reason. I just like Hugh Dancy. Are there any actors you'd like to see as Mr. Fantastic purely based on your preference and not considering if they've necessarily been a, be a good fit for the role? Well, I mean, at the risk of sounding stereotypical because it's what everybody else on the planet is saying, but I am, I am on board, Kimberly, with this whole John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as... Sue Storm and Mr. Fantastic. I'd love I am to see them. all on board with it. I mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some fan renders, like some really great Photoshop. People have been making some cool stuff. Yes, especially if John Krasinski with, with the white in the, the side white. of his hair yep. and all that kind of stuff. And everybody just wants to see him and Emily Blunt together on screen. So, I mean, yeah, it's the stereotypical thing to say, but I've bought into that hype. So, I don't know. Do you have anybody you'd like to see as, you, you know, know, I, I had an odd pairing. Um, I would... I. I really love Timothy Oliphant. Oh, I love him. I was thinking him. And this actress, um, she's she's a comedian. Her name's Eliza Schlesinger. Oh, she's got a special on Netflix. Oh, yeah. A couple of them. They're they're really funny. But she's she was in uh, Instant Family um, yes, with, Mark with Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Yeah. She's done a few acting things here and there. Uh, she was actually in um, the one with Shia LaBeouf. And, um, oh, gosh, she got uh, Golden Globe. The, uh, it was about a, it's on Netflix. It's a drama. It's a heavy drama. Okay. Oh, you're, oh, uh, you're talking about um, Peanut Butter Falcon? No, 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 no. Oh, um, um, it's about a woman who gave birth and things didn't go well. Oh, I don't um, know which one you're talking about off the top. Oh, she played the queen's sister in The Crown. I can't believe I, I forgot the name of it. I'm going to think of the name of it. Tim Burton's ex-wife? No. Oh, okay. Oh, no. She played other... the younger version, blonde. She oh. was in. Mis- she was in Mission Impossible. Okay, I know who you're talking about. I'm gonna have I, to look. Blonde, I'm gonna have yeah, to look up. this movie up. But Eliza Schlesinger played her sister, and it was a pretty serious role. And I, it was in that role that I was like, she'd make a good Sue Storm. Because well, she's, she's got, it's, it's a weird pairing, but in my head, that's who I want. The nice thing about the Timothy Oliphant thing is because he was just in I Mandalorian, like he's in the Disney family yeah. right now. I mean, he's there. All right. Yeah. What's next? Anonymous says, John, been watching you since the old AMC days. Thank you. What do you think of people saying that if WandaVision ends without answering all of our questions, it's bad writing? <laughs> I feel it's just a part of the bigger plan that will be answered in the other movies and shows. I feel like we were just talking about, you know, having to have all the answers. <laughs> Listen, if a, if a show or movie doesn't give you all the answers, um, if that's a problem, if that is a problem, the issue isn't that it's bad writing. The issue is that you're a simpleton. I mean, that's not how life works and that's not how stories should work. The show stories, I actually find, I'm actually critical of movies or shows that feel like they have to bring out the baby pablum and say, here, little Lottie, here's the answer to every little possible thing. That's not the way it should work. Now, the the major significant issues, yes. But yeah, if you're somebody goes into that you think, think every little thing has to be explained in perfect detail to me, the problem isn't the writing. The problem is you as an audience member and sometimes me. That's the way it is. They shouldn't answer every single question, but identify the pertinent ones. Like for instance, with WandaVision, I feel like they did. 
the biggest questions a lot of people had were like about vision. They answered that. It was about how did the whole thing start? They answered that. The thing about uh, Evan Peters' character, they answered that. So they answered all the main important questions. And no writing should ever go through. I mean, they do sometimes, and I think it's a mistake, and answer every single little thing. So I don't know, that's my take on that. All right, what's next? Nico Odell says, if the Stark drone that powered vision changed the fit era... Does that mean White Vision will change the 2013 modern family era version of him, which could be Ultron, right? Well, this so this was obviously sent in before the, the finale, but somebody else had asked me almost an identical question. It's like, but here's the problem. Um, the energy that was the energy residue that was on that thing does not hold the era. So there was no real point of that. Plus some people speculated that when vision, white vision comes into the hex, he would enter the time era. But remember my contention was that in Agatha's basement, as the picture, as the aspect ratio of the picture changed, that was them visually telling us they've now moved from the 2010s to present. So some people speculated, well, if vision who was kind of born an ultra uh, born of Ultron went back to that era, he would actually become Ultron actually kind of a fun little theory. But again, I kind of felt like they had moved to the modern present era anyway, so there was that. All right, what's next? Michael W. says, John, my WandaVision theory is right. I coded that the director said, he, he said the ending is inevitable. And the story we've seen the whole time, Thanos is back, baby. I'm inevitable. Uh, yeah, inevitable. so obviously that is not what happened. It's like... <laughs> Playing a little bit of semantics there. I am inevitable. Well, he just said it. It's gonna be. It's funny because there's some people who thought, and it wasn't the it wasn't the dumbest theory either. There's some people actually thought Possible. Thanos may show up so at this him. thing, right? I mean, because remember at the at first we we're talking about the commercials. I thought the commercials were symbol symbols of the various trauma that she had been through, they and who did she Thanos suffer reference. a bigger tra trauma th from than Thanos? Like. She had to kill Vision because of him. Then yeah. he brought him back just to watch Thanos kill Vision again. Yeah. I mean, I, so it wasn't the dumbest theory in the mm -hmm. world. But, I mean, I, I never actually thought he would. But if he did, I wouldn't have been shocked. Were you ever expecting Thanos to show up? <laughs> this is so odd. But I was. I noticed that that pattern. And then I thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if Thanos' face showed up in a raisin, like for like a raisin brand <laughs> oh, kind of cereal? Gosh. Because his face was all wrinkly. <laughs> and I was like... There you That's go. That's the only way I saw Thanos coming back into this. Totally could have worked. Totally could have worked. All right. What's next? Mac Tactic says, hey, John, I love the show. Thank you. I believe WandaVision is going to end badly. I think the only ones to come out unscathed in some form is Darcy and Wu. Also think Hayward dies. Might be wrong, but I will love every minute of it. Yeah. So, I mean, yes and no. This is the good thing. Like, I've, I've been telling people that WandaVision didn't, didn't end the way... I wanted them to end it, which was like total Shakespearean tragedy where the events just completely break her, right? And what I didn't want to have is your stereotypical cookie cutter, superhero, everybody's happy ending. And they did something in the middle. So they had, you know, the kids were gone, the vision gone again. But, you know, as we've been following Wanda through her stages of grief, what is the final stage of grief? Acceptance. And that's where they came to. So they kind of did it in the middle where all this tragic stuff happened. You know, the, the, she, she, by the way, I mean, no one talks about, it. she killed her own kids. 
Like she, she killed her kids. Tears shot out of my eyeballs. <laughs> thanks, thanks mom. for letting me be your. Thanks for choosing me to be your mom. Yeah, and she's like, okay, but I expected Vision to turn around. It's like, hey, dad, can you get us some water? No time, kids. Mom's about to wipe you out of existence. Yeah, I was like, she's putting her kids down. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you do your dog. <laughs> like, I love you. Love bye. you. But bye. You got to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and it was, um, it, it was uh, wrenching. Kind of like, but at the same time, uh, Darcy did get out unscathed. Woo, yeah. probably in a better position than he was before. Uh, obviously Monica with the whole scroll connection. That was cool. They did some very, very cool like things that. there. So it's, uh, they, again, the best shows let us theorize and speculate and guess, and then give us something a little bit different. That is still awesome. And I felt like that's what they did. All right. What's next? Jordan from Canada says, with the NFL media deal currently being negotiated, do you believe we will be watching football on all the different streaming sites? Disney, Amazon, HBO, etc. I'm concerned how I will be watching football in Canada in a few years. Well, yes, there is a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we've seen NFL games being streamed on Twitter. We've seen like NFL on this. The one thing the NFL is going to have to be careful of is that they cannot make it difficult for people to watch their content. That's the main thing. Like whether you go with ESPN or Fox or whatever and you, you know, sign different deals but you cannot make it challenging. One of the biggest critiques of the NFL the last couple of years was that for, for a certain part of the season, Thursday night football can only be seen on the NFL network. Not a ton of people have the NFL network. And so they're going to have to be careful moving forward. So I think they will be strategic about it. I do think you'll see it spread out a little bit, but they'll never make it difficult for people to watch their stuff because that's the backbone of their entire business. All right, what's next? Mega Movie says, John, my day is packed. I will be binging all of WandaVision again, then watch your pregame show, <laughs> eat some Buffalo Wild Wings, then for the first time ever, watch the finale at 3 a.m. my time when it premieres. God help me. I mean, it, it really has been, I think we've all had our little traditions we formed. I did. <laughs> and maybe they started with Mandalorian and now it's in with, it came in with WandaVision and I'm sure, I know I've got my Thursday traditions now. My Thursday pattern is, you know, I do the show in the morning, uh, do whatever it is during the day, but then at some point do a pregame show mm -hmm. for the upcoming, now it's going to be Falcon Winter Soldier. Then it's going to be like hanging out with Dan and getting psyched and then staying up to midnight, maybe have one or two friends come over, watch the episode with us, not get enough sleep, uh, look like a, a zombie the next day on the John Campia yes. show, and then do the spoiler discussion. Yep. I, mean, I mean, we've all got it, and I know a number of people who weren't like on East Coast, yeah. who's like, 3 a.m. is just a little too late for me That's to stay tough. up. Yeah. But for the finale, they did. And I, it's it's a totally irresponsible pattern to have, but one <laughs> that I think a lot of people... Did you develop any routines while WandaVision was on? Oh, I totally did. I totally did. At first, I was just watching with my nephews and um, like the at a decent time on Friday. But then I was like, it was just... So like there was so much going on and I was theorizing so much. I was like, no, no, no. I think episode three, I was like, I got to start watching at midnight. I'm definitely going to be watching at midnight. Sometimes I take a nap and I would set an alarm yeah, that's to wake idea. me up. And sometimes I just go all the way through. I'd have my like sleepy time tea while I was watching it so I could fall asleep. Like I had, oh, I, was strategy. Like, I was like, I was strategizing. I was like, oh, cause homegirl has to go to bed at one, but I will be up at midnight. But the last one I stayed up um, just all the way through would not play. 
would not play. Oh, I know. I refreshed I know. and refreshed and refreshed. All my other sites were fine, so it wasn't my internet. Oh, no, this is the, wouldn't like, the play. Third or fourth week in a row that Disney that happened to yep, Disney+. Plus. got up in the morning at 8, wouldn't play, wouldn't play. Even in the morning? I was furious. I was furious. I was like, I'm going to make an octagon. You made a hex, <laughs> I'm going to make an octagon. I'm pissed. But, All uh, right. Yeah. What's next? This is from Sen Vendetta. John, I know how you feel when it comes to blaming your dad for being traumatized about a movie. When I was five, my dad took my mom and I to see the 1989 Batman in theaters, which I was a big fan. And I turned to my dad in the middle of the movie. Let's go up, up, up. And asked him, Dad, we're Robin. <laughs> and my dad leaned closer and said to me, Robin died. Your dad's awesome. I already love your dad. <laughs> Robin being my favorite superhero at the time, this crushed me. And we all. I don't think there's more. Yep. If there is, I can't find it. Can you? Uh, and we all had to leave the theater early because I wouldn't stop crying, he says at the end of that. And oh. yes, um, first of all, your dad is already my hero. <laughs> that is the I love parents who are like cold to their kids at the right moment just to be fun. Um, yes. Oh, so, I, I mean, Sorry. I remember for, for me, it, it was my parents letting me watch Jaws. <laughs> like not in theaters, like it, it had already been in, like out of theaters a long time. But my dad, my dad went bowling every Monday night and we had a little bowling lead he played in. And at the bowling, I sometimes he'd let me go with him uh -huh. and I would just play video games while he did it. Mm -hmm. And at the bowling alley was a kiosk where you could rent a laser disc player and like oh, two or three movies for like $20 <laughs> for the weekend. So you'd get the player and a couple of movies. My dad got Jaws. Oh my and gosh. I remember That's watching so it and it totally, totally traumatized me. Did you never get in the water? I that could summer? I, it took like a year before I could get back into any water that wasn't a pool. I mean, it was it was just like <laughs> it totally freaked me out oh anyway. My God. So there's that. All right, what's next? Captain Blue Pants says, Someone else has probably asked this overnight, but did you see the Elizabeth Olsen and Jimmy Fallon WandaVision Fallon Vision skit last night? It was really fun. I had I had I it pop that. up on my news feeds a bunch of times, but I never actually watched that. We were talking about it on the John Campus show earlier today, too. I just never had the opportunity to actually stop and watch it, but it is on my radar. I will go and watch it because I've heard it's really funny. I think Catherine Hahn was in it, too. So not yet, but I will. I totally will. All right. What's next? Anonymous says, John, you're not going to believe this, but CW Superman won a fight. Two <laughs> fights in one episode. I know. CW is not they're terrible with Superman, but I got to say, I watched episode two of Superman and Lois. This, what I, I have developed, let's put it this way. What CW has done to Superman, I will never forgive them for. Like they have, they've completely turned Superman into a jobber. But the first two episodes of Superman and Lois I got to say, I've been much better than I thought. And yes, I couldn't believe my eyes that they actually let this Superman win a fight. It was totally great. Have you watched any of the Superman and Lois yet? You know, um, I, I didn't catch the episode because I only have streaming services. Is it showing on a streaming service? You can get it. How you else can, can watch I get it? it on the CW streaming app, which is free. Oh, okay. And I, think, I think they put it up like the day after it airs. They'll put it up. Okay, there. So then I'll I watch think it. You, I've been watching it through the YouTube TV app. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think you can get on the CW app as well. I, on, on YouTube, the day after it came out, they showed the first 10 minutes of the episode. 
Yes. And I watched that. And it was and really I was intriguing. like, because I was like, eh. and then I was like, oh, I got to see this. I yeah. got to see this. Yeah. So no, I I'm glad. I'm going to look at I'm that. Not, I'm not, I haven't bought in yet. Yeah. I, have, I do not have the belief that this is going to end up being a good season, but I, I'll give credit where it's due. The first two episodes have been pretty good. So I liked what I, I will watch the third one. Like All right. What's next? Wizzelante. I think I said that right. Wizzelante. Huh, cool name. Hey, John, what if the director of WandaVision saying final final will disappoint is a strategy to temper expectations because we've hyped it so much that even a great finale will disappoint because of our own hype. We've been victims of over expectations in the past. Well, the director, Matt, is his name. He, he was spe- specific about what he meant by saying the finale will disappoint some is that because a lot of people have these really wild theories and they're going to be disappointed when they find out their theory didn't turn out. And he was completely right. I mean, all you got to do is look around Twitter and online to see a bunch of people who didn't have their theories turn out. So they were kind of upset about it, but whatever. I'm one of them. Like one of my big theories didn't turn out, but I still really appreciated the episode for what it was. I think most people did, but yeah, he wasn't saying that people will be disappointed because we put together a low quality finale. No, they put together a very high quality finale. What he was specifically mentioning, and he said it, was the fact that there's a lot of people have certain theories and expectations that seem to be really invested in those theories and expectations. And we know we're not going to do those. So they're just setting themselves up for disappointment. And sure enough, he was right. It was still great. Still a lot of people I, I talked to. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many people I debated with telling them, I am telling you, Evan Peters is not going to end up being Quicksilver. I am telling you. And people who gave just hammered me over and over and over again saying, yes, he just can't be here. Just being dumb. And sure enough, he wasn't. And, and now when they found out they're wrong, they get mad at the show. Well, they should have had him be Quicksilver. No, they shouldn't have. They did the right thing. Anyway, that's just me. Okay. What's up? Nikolaus, the Greek, says, Hey, John, love the show. With Spider-Man No Way Home is currently scheduled for a Christmas release, when can we expect a first trailer reveal? We are already in March, and the movie, if not delayed, comes out in nine months. Keep up the good work. Well, like one of my big things over the, the past number of years about being a film pundit is trying to, like, to tell people um, there is no purpose for a movie trailer to come out seven months early. There's just no purpose for it. Any buzz, and you see that changing. Like we've seen in the last two or three years, the trend, uh, it used to be that every big movie coming out would have its first trailer a year more in advance. And I think the studios and the, the publicists started realizing we're not actually getting any benefit from that. Everybody gets excited and buzzes about it for a bit, and then the buzz dissipates and it's gone, and it doesn't actually help us towards the end. A great example of this was a Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm. They started releasing those trailers. They released the first one at Comic-Con, which you give them a pass for that because yeah, it's Comic-Con. Yeah. But they released the first one at Comic-Con, and then they re- re- released a few more. And then by the time Godzilla King of the Monsters came out, a bunch of people was like, wait, didn't that come out like forever ago? That's oh, it's just what coming I out now, and yep. it underperformed at the box office. They they blew their proverbial load way too early, and by the time they got to it, it was like so. You've been seeing in the last two or three years a smaller and smaller trailer window. I think the sweet spot is like four, four and a half months. A little bit more is fine, a little bit less is fine, but I think four, four and a half months. So I expect we are still months away, months away 
from seeing any kind of a trailer Spider-Man. And we should be months away. There's no point in starting dropping trailers now. It would just be pointless to give us a tease of something that we're not even going to get our hands on for another nine months. So I, I still think it's months away. But you never know. They can surprise us. All right. What's next? Anonymous says, what if Yo Magic commercial was about her magic, not something feeding on her magic, but is in actuality about how it never saves her, only leaves her empty? That is very philosophical, but we also know very not true. It kind of did turn out, as we saw from the beginning of the one episode with Agatha, that Agatha was feeding on the magic of the other witches, draining them out, including her own mother. And it's what she was trying to do with Wanda at the same time. And as she was doing it, you see her getting crinkled and rumpled just like the kid in the commercial. So as it turns out, it was about Agatha feeding on her magic. And uh, why they did that, I'm not sure. It didn't fit in with all the other commercials, but hey, it gave us a little bit of insight into the show. All right, what's next? The guy says, assuming that WandaVision was supposed to be a movie before Disney Plus was released, I don't see how the show could have held up to the silver screen up to this point. I feel like most of the show has been an excessive slow burn with lackluster substance. Well, hey, man, that's the beautiful thing about this stuff. Uh, uh, the guy is that it's all subjective and it all hits us in different ways. I completely disagree with you. I thought it was a glorious slow burn that actually at times I felt moved too fast. I felt like the episodes actually need a little bit more time to breathe. I thought every single episode needed a little bit more time to breathe. Uh, and I thought they went really, really quickly. And at the same time, because of the episodic nature, also slow burn at the same time. The dichotomy of it was actually pretty brilliant. So, I mean, how it could have functioned as a two-hour movie, you know, I'll tell you what. When you understand the length of the episodes, mm -hmm. they probably could, I mean, they would have needed to shave a few things out, but they probably could have pulled this off as a movie. They probably could have, but I actually really liked the format the way they did it here, and I thought personally that the effects were spectacular. But hey, just because I feel that way doesn't mean you need to feel that way. And if it didn't hit you the right way, it didn't hit you the right way. And that's unfortunate. But I, I got to say, I personally disagree. All right. What's next? Anonymous says, hey, John, I absolutely loved movie trailers. A love story. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. It's the most fun kind of documentary. I have a bone to pick with you, though. Nickelback? <laughs> Come on. There's a limit, Campia. Anyway, second vaccine in a week and seeing Godzilla opening weekend. Thanks. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words about a movie trailers, a love story for those of you who don't know, is my documentary about, well, movie trailers. And it's available now. Uh, and you, if you live in the US and the UK, you can just find it on Amazon. Otherwise, it's on Vimeo. So thank you for that. And yeah, every I know everybody likes to bash on Nickelback. So this comes up because somebody asked me the other day. Uh, I can't remember the exact question. It was basically, what's... <laughs> Um, <laughs> like a band that everybody likes to hate on that you actually don't think is that bad. And I said, honestly, Nickelback. I mean, they are the laughing stock of music, hmm. but they had number one hits for a reason because they were number one hits. I mean, they were pretty good songs. So yeah, I'm not by in no way, shape or form. And I, am I, they're the best. Am I rocking like a Nickelback shirt anywhere? Nickelback. No, I don't own any of their albums. I have never have, but I also don't think they're all that bad. Now, as far as Godzilla versus Kong opening weekend, I am absolutely going to a movie theater. Now I thought I would have to drive to Vegas, mm -hmm. but then I just read a report that it looks like Orange County is going to be opening their theaters at 25% capacity in the next we? like week or two. Really? Yes. Which means instead of making what? a three hour drive to go watch Godzilla versus Kong and Mortal Kombat, oh all gosh. I have to do is make like a one hour drive to oh, go see them. So, man. and there's no way after that trailer, there's no way I'm watching that on a on, on your regular TV, TV screen. No way. Yeah, I'm watching so that epic. on a real screen. So I'm very yeah. excited for that. 
Okay. Anyway, sorry. What's next? Austin A says, Hey, John, just watched Goodwill Hunting for the first time the other nice. day. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. It may be the recency bias, recency bias talking, but I think I have Goodwill Hunting in my top 10 films of all time. Is that a stretch? Where would you have it? No, it's not in my top 10, but I also don't think it's a stretch for anybody to put it in there. It is a beautiful movie. It, it, it's a phenomenal film. And it was the movie that Robin Williams, who had several, several shots at it, finally won his Academy Award. It's not your fault. It is a beautiful, powerful movie. A lot of people forget that, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won an Academy Award for screenwriting that thing. Like Ben That's Affleck right. is an Academy Award winning screenwriter. Yeah. Um, Minnie Driver, who was one of my celebrity crushes, yeah. For a number of years. I love <laughs> Minnie Driver. By the way, I, I, I brought this movie up a couple times. I don't know if I've ever asked you. She did a movie with the X-Files star David Duchovny called Return to Me. Have you ever heard of <gasps> with it? The with the heart. Yes, yes, yes. Have you seen it? Yeah. I love that movie. That scene. Yes. The scene. One of my I remember that. most emotionally powerful scenes I've ever seen is near the beginning of the movie when Duchovny wife's die. Wife's die. Wife's. Duchovny's wife dies and he comes home for the first time and his dog, who they already showed earlier in the movie, like loves his mom, loves David Duchovny's wife. So he comes home and the dog just keeps looking for the mom to come home and Duchovny's saying, she's not coming back, buddy. And then he finally collapses on the floor with the dog and he starts weeping and crying. And I'm like, oh, like- like I don't I get emotional that. that sort of stuff, but you can't. You get choked up and your bottom lip quivers. It's the whole movie is so great. Return to me. Go watch it. Greatness of Mini Driver. But yes, uh, Goodwill yeah. Hunting is fantastic. Have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Yes. What do you think? Yes. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that ending. Oh, that ending so- was so good because I was so used to endings that are like, no, but I want it to be this, and I was like, you know what? That's how it had to happen. Yeah. That's I love so it. good and it introduced the world really in a bigger way to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Sure All right, what's next? Anonymous says, speaking of people we haven't seen on the show in a while, whatever happened to Ashley? I really loved her. Will we ever see her back in the future potentially? Uh, Ashley Whalen, she's she's great, but like ultimately, what happened was for all the best reasons. She is a she's an actress. Uh, she's a model. And she just kept getting busier and busier and busier. And, you know, she wasn't able to keep up the schedule with what we were doing on the John Campus show, which that's a great reason to not to. I still, you know, we, we still follow each other on social media and stuff like that. I no, no longer live right in L.A. proper. So I don't know if we'll ever see Ashley again. But, I mean, never say never, but she's doing great. You should follow her on social media. She's killing it. She's doing a lot of stuff. Every time I look on her Instagrams, like, she's doing a million different projects, which is always encouraging to see. But that is what happened with her. All right. What's next? The guy says, an article on We Got This Covered says that (laughs) WB execs are not impressed with the Snyder Cut. Go figure. Why are they so adamant against this film, even if AT&T is helming it now? And why are they trying to undermine it with the announcement of Superman reboot? Okay, there's a couple things that have to get very, very clear here. We Got This Covered is not a real website. Just understand that. Nothing We Got This Covered ever reports unless it's a story somebody else wrote first on another outlet, nothing we got this cover ever says they have source is ever true. It is a hundred percent, hundred percent fake website. Never read it. Never go there to get any of your information. It is as fake as fake gets. That said, 
This whole notion that Warner Brothers wants it to fail is such bullshit. What's the last thing you put 70 million of your dollars into that you wanted to fail? Answer, nothing. They don't want it to fail. They may not have the same high appraisal of it that some of the fans of Snyder Cut want it to be. They may not feel the same way. But if you really don't want something to succeed, then you don't put up the money to finance it. You don't make it happen. You don't make it a go. And you certainly don't sign a check for $70 million to make it happen. So, and by the way, again, I I am not, you know, I, I have mentioned this once before. I know somebody who has seen Snyder Cut. Ooh. Um, And what they said to me, and take this with a grain of salt, this is one person's opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. It's one person's opinion. Just because they think this way doesn't mean anybody else will. But this one person I know who has seen at least a mostly finished version of it said they thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, again, that's just one person. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, listen, It's what does it come out on the 13th or something like that? Yeah. It's almost time. We'll get this whole circus put behind us. Hopefully it'll be as good as his other outings, like Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mean, one way or the other, it's going to be in our rear teaching me a lot. It's like reteaching me the whole situation with the Snyder Cut is reteaching me about going into a film and checking your expectations at the door. Right. And just having an open mind because there's so much comparison and it hasn't even come out yet. And it's just reminding me because we get so caught up in the lore, especially if it's a graphic novel come to life. And we yeah. get so caught up in what are you going to do that we have to remember that film is about art and it's honestly about giving the film a chance. And I feel like there's so many opinions against this. Remember, this is this man's art. Leave your judgments at the door expectations at the door and let it even though we've seen it kind of let it come at you no well, you know it goes, it's, it's teaching me a lot it goes both ways i find with snyder it's like people like people ask me you know what do you think the result of snyder cut's going to be and i say it's going to be absolutely meaningless there's going to mm-hmm. be no because here's why everybody who has already seen and knows Zack snyder's sensibilities when it comes to making dc movies mm-hmm. who don't like it mm-hmm they're not going to magically start it's liking not, probably Snyder not going to change your mind. Yeah. The people who are already completely on board, mm-hmm. loving what Zack Snyder does. Mm-hmm. Like I put it this way, no matter how good Snyder cut is, there's a group of people out there who already know they don't like Zack Snyder's DC stuff and they're not going to like it no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter how bad Snyder cut is. Mm-hmm. There are people who have already completely sold out to being all on board with Snyder cut and they're going to say it's great no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you got on one hand, a bunch of people are, say, are going to say it's terrible no matter what you got. On the other hand, a bunch of people are going to say it's great no matter what the truth, like most things is probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, it's not going to change anybody's mind, but hopefully the people who are looking forward to seeing it are going to be able to go in, have a good time, have another thing that another piece of media they can add to their personal library that they get yeah. to go and watch when they like it. And that's all you can ask for. All right. What's next? Connor Darian says, hi, John. I read an article yesterday that Paramount Plus is finally bringing Halo, my favorite shooter of all time, to the small screen in the form of a live action series. I'm personally ecstatic about this. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Um, I honestly, I'm interested, but I'm not all that excited. You got to remember Halo... The the saga of Halo trying to get made into a real life and you know Halo Reach is a different thing, but 
trying to get Halo made into a legitimate live action thing goes all the way back to Peter Jackson and District 9 director uh, Neil Blomkamp, who Peter Jackson had signed up to produce a Halo movie. The studios were excited about it. They said, yes, we'll fund it. We'll put up the money, blah, blah, blah. And Peter Jackson chose this director who would later go on to make District 9, uh, Neil Blomkamp, who has never directed anything in his life. He had never, he'd never even been an assistant director on a real movie. He had never oh, worked dang. on an actual movie and an actual real movie in his entire life. And like for something like Halo, mm-hmm. that's just a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, was the studios kind of backtracked and were like, no, we're not so sure. Uh-oh. And then it never ultimately happened. Now, then Neil Blomkamp went on to make District 9 and everyone was like, see, you should have let him do Halo. But then he did Chappie and Elysium, and there's some people like, well, maybe he shouldn't have done Halo. I don't know. But it's been this long, arduous road to finally getting a Halo thing. So let's put it this way. I'm interested in it. I just want to see, number one, if it actually happens. Um, And then once it does happen, just take it for what it is without any expectations. So hopefully it'll be good. They certainly got some really great lore and mythology behind it that they can build off of. So let's see how that turns out. All right. What's next? Dylan's dialogue says, Hiya, John. I wrote in about a month ago about my Canon M50 purchase, and I am in love with it. Fabulous. Also, I bought a 70-inch 4K HDR TV for my new apartment and was wondering, what is the first thing I'm going to watch? Either Whiplash or Star Wars. Thoughts? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Whenever, first of all, yes, uh, the, the Canon M50 is a fabulous option for a camera. It really is, especially if you want to do like YouTube stuff, whatever. It is powerful, versatile, yet simple and lower on the price range. I think you can get it for five or $600. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful option. I personally prefer the Sony. So I've got the Sony A6400s, but the M50s are great and I recommend them often. Now, as far as what to watch on your TV, Whiplash is a magnificent movie. But when you bust out your the brand new TV and you're thinking something, what you want to watch something that is really visual, like really visual. I often will fall back into recommending Return uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, any one of the three, but Return of the King is probably the top notch one to go. But a Star Wars is great. But just anything, even even going all the way back to like Mel Gibson's Braveheart. Like oh. you pop Braveheart. I need to on. watch that again. Oh, it's so good. I think a, a top 20, a top 20 movie. greatest yeah. film of all time. But I, I usually go for that. So I would recommend in the option between Whiplash or Star Wars, go with the more visually dense one. And I'd say maybe go with Star Wars. When when you have a new TV, yeah. do you have a go-to thing that's like the first thing I need to watch my TV is this? What is it? I told we got a 70, was it 75? I'm not good at all that stuff, but... um. I watched Aquaman because that, that's that was my thought, one, right? And, you know, I've got like nephews, I've got little ones in my life. And I was like, what is the most colorful thing? Because, you know, with kids, you make it fun. And I was like, Aquaman, it's got so many colors. The effects are so amazing. And that's the first thing we watched on our big, new, huge That's a good one. TV. That's and it was, and it was awesome because it was just like... Boom, 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 and Jason. It was great. It was great, but yeah, Aquaman. No, no, something no, no, something no, with no, a lot no, of no, no, no. color just, and you just did a Freudian but also slip. you just did a Freudian slip. We know it was J- all Jason about. Momoa. Yeah, 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 we know it was all. It's about. like the kids. Look at the fishies, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> What's next? 
Some dude says, has there been a longer interval of time between two halves of a season than Lucifer's season five? No kidding. No kidding. Like, I was so excited when Lucifer season five was, first of all, that we even got a Lucifer season five. but they, And we knew it was going to be split into two parts. That's fine. But it's like, you figure two months. I feel like it's been... I feel like I was still working at Collider when the first, and obviously I wasn't, but I feel like it's that long ago that the first half of season five was coming up. So no. So I know the one breaking bad season had a big break in between one time, but I don't think it was this long. I cannot wait for it to come back. It's not my absolute favorite show on TV, but the the character of Lucifer Morningstar played by Tom Ellis is my favorite character on TV. And I cannot wait for this thing to come back. All right. What's next? All right, this is coming from Jefferson Padilla. So, did Wakanda not have a king for five years during the bleep? They would definitely need to replace him, wouldn't they? How do you think that works in their nation? It would make it would make sense. T'Challa is no longer ruler. T'Challa, yes, T'Challa was no longer ruler. They, they've look. I know they are probably going to answer that question in this, uh, first of all, they got Black Panther 2 coming, and then they have a uh, Wakanda series coming to Disney+. Plus. So all those questions will be answered. My guess is, yes, they need a king. They probably would go through the same, you know, trial by combat thing that they did in Black Panther. My number one assumption is the person who should be king there is M'Baku. M'Baku should be king. He was this close to becoming king anyway. Like he just about beat T'Challa in a fair hand-to-hand combat thing. And he has the rifle, right? He leads the Mbari tribe. He's a seasoned leader. Everybody respects him. He's a close friend of the king. He has the right. And who's going to beat him? If anybody else wants to challenge with throne, who's going to beat M'Baku? No one. So to me, the logical choice is M'Baku and he didn't get dusted in the snap. So my theory is we're going to find out that for those five years, provisionally, uh, M'Baku was probably ruling Wakanda. I don't, do you have a theory about that? Not, as soon as I read that, I was like, M'Baku. Because also he had such a good attitude in helping them yeah. when they were in need and wasn't like, ooh, here's my chance. You know, he proved himself to be a person of integrity. And um, that's what I would think. Because remember, he was he he didn't get blipped. You know, yep. he was there looking around like, oh, my God. And, um, and also the people closest to Chachala were probably an emotional mess. Yeah. You know, so I think he'd be the... I agree. All right. What's next? Oh, this is going to be fun. The Wakandan Forever says, hold on, let me. Oh, dear. Here we go. Yo, Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Turn up the bass while the ninjas are saying, ninja, ninja rap. Oh, dear. Go, 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 go. Go, ninja. Go, ninja. Chilling like Bob Dylan, maxing like Michael Jackson, and living like Thanksgiving. Yep, yep. Word to your mother. I, I, (laughs) okay. First of all, have you ever seen the ice cube movie called cool as ice? It is one of the greatest movies to watch with friends and a few adult beverages. It is write this down. The cool as ice. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this thing that goes, it's so bad. It's good. Yeah. That phrase was made for this movie. And there, and do you remember the show family ties? So the dad from Family Ties is also in this. He plays the dad of the girl that Vanilla Ice wants to romance. But Wait, uh, Vanilla? Oh, this is a Vanilla Ice movie? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, it's why called did I Pool's think you were saying Ice Cube? Because I did I say Ice Cube? Maybe I said Ice Cube. Sorry, I meant Vanilla no, Ice. No, if you I said it. But it's called Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. Oh no! And he stars this in sounds it. Sounds awful. And like he's got this one line, like as he's trying to pick up this girl, oh, and Lord. she walks away, and his one line is, "Yep, yep, she likes me." I mean, that was just okay. the thing. Okay. Um, it is all the right. most glorious, awful movie of all time. You have to watch it. I'm going to make an admission here. Okay. I'm not really a fan of those original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. You're not? Like, go ninja, go ninja, go. No, I, yeah. I'm actually not. Dude. I know. I like those. Um, I like the new ones, but I like the, the when, when I showed my nephews the old ones, I was like, sit down, pay, t- pay attention. This is gold. And they were like, See, okay. Me, I was like, are you kidding me? You have to understand, my original exposure to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah? I was younger. I was a teenager. And it was, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did not start off as a cartoon or as, you know, whatever. They were not, they did not start off as cowabunga dude, pizza loving skateboarders. It was a black and white comic book with the four turtles, same backstory and everything. They were mutated turtles trained by Master Splinter fighting against the Shredder, but it was dark and, and deadly and like it was like hardcore the turtles killed i mean they when they would battle the foot they would talk about there'd be these internal monologues about you know my you know my uh my katana pierces his blah blah blah, blah and all this internal monologue is like okay. when i think of teenage mutant ninja turtles that's, that's what i think what about you're so thinking. it was that okay all right okay what's next Thanks for making me rap, Wakandan. Um, <laughs> Chandler Bing says, hey, John, have you seen New Amsterdam on NBC? They've managed to send off a character for one episode, and they show up at the end of the next, and I nearly teared up. Fantastic show with Ryan Agold from The Blacklist. That's the only thing that caught my attention about that show was that, oh, well, that's that's when I first realized, well, I guess that guy's about to die on Blacklist because there was some like promos going around for him with this new show. And uh, of course, he was a character on Blacklist. So I guess he's going to die. Uh, no, I never watched it. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't look like the type of show that appeals to me, even though I like this guy as an actor. I do. But I just knew it, it just didn't look like it appealed to me. There's so much stuff that does appeal to me that I haven't had a chance to watch. I certainly don't have time to watch stuff. And who knows? Maybe it could be a Harley Quinn that if I tried it, I would love it. I just don't have the time to watch it because I've got too many other things on my queue trying to watch other things. But I hear good things about it. I do. I hear good things about it. All right. What's next? Chandler Bing says, from the man that brought you Asian Jim, (laughs) presenting Asian Clark slash Asian Superman starring Randall Park. I'm willing this into existence now. Randall Park is so great. And not just in Ant-Man or WandaVision or as Asian Jim on The Office. But you watch him in the other stuff. There is He did a romantic comedy last year. Always Be My Maybe. Always Be My Maybe with Ali. I think it was Ali Wong, Keanu Reeves. I loved that movie. Loved I thought it was so charming and so it. great. Isn't it I great? It. And I saw it like a year before it came out because I did the, um, what is it when you get, when you do the questions afterwards and you tell the. Oh, you're a, you got a test audience? Yeah. Yeah. I was the test audience. So you I You were saw, a focus and, group member yeah, for that? Yeah. And I'm a huge Keanu Reeves, like crazy fan. And so I was, I couldn't tell anyone. I was like, oh my God, you guys. I can't tell you anything, but things are awesome in the world. But I love him. It was like, um, it was almost like brown sugar, kind of. I was like, for the culture, yes, I'm loving it. Like, it was so good. I love him. I, I love him it a lot. All right, what's next? Giovanni, the movie canon, says, tech question. I'm debating if I should buy either the Canon EOS Rebel T7i 800 or EOS Rebel T7 575 to upgrade my equipment for my YouTube channel. 
The T7i shoots at much higher quality, like 4K. Do you know anything about these cameras by any chance? Honestly, I think if you're going to go in that price range, if you want to go up to $800 and you want to spend that much, again, I recommend the Sony a64, a65, or a6600s. All You can get the a6400 now for a pretty good price. I've got like three of them in my studio. They're fantastic. They utilize the uh, the Sigma E-mount lenses. You got a, They're very reasonably priced, the lenses, if you want to get some prime lenses and stuff like that. If you were looking into Canon, again, I default back to, if you want to stay, keep your price reasonable, I default back to the M50. Um, the M50, and, and I'm going to say something that a lot of people are going to disagree with, and I don't care. <laughs> if your main thing is YouTube, 4K is not, doesn't matter. 4K doesn't matter. It, it really, really doesn't. And everybody's, oh, it absolutely, no, no, it really, it really doesn't. 4K doesn't matter all that much. It's, look, if you're a big, huge pro and all that kind of stuff, you want to get that as part of your cred, I get it. But honestly, shooting in 1080 with the right camera and the right lens, gorgeous. Plus, it makes much smaller file sizes, much easier to edit and manage your, your uh, media. I, I, I mean, if you want to future-proof a little bit, Sure, but if you're making stuff to the level that 4K would actually matter, you're probably going to want a camera that exceeds the T-Series anyway. So I wouldn't make that a big deal. I mean, if it has 4K, like my Sony a6400s do have 4K, but don't make that your primary consideration. I believe the Canon M50 also does 4K. So I would say if you want to go higher in your price end, go with the Sony a6400s. If you want to stay more reasonable in your price thing, Go with the Canon M50. It really was made for YouTubers and online content creators. That's who that camera is really made for. So I would personally recommend that. Now, I say that as somebody who's had like a 7D Mark II and had a, a T5i and, and things like that. But yeah, I just, I, M50 or the Sony's, that's kind of my recommendation. And if you get into the price range where you've got two or 3000 to spend, then there are better options, but around those price ranges, that's what I personally recommend. But what do I know? All right, what's next? Tommy says, hi, John. Not sure if you've seen Peaky Blinders, but the new series is filming now around the corner from my flat in Manchester, UK. Hmm. In my opinion, Cillian Murphy is a hugely underrated actor, although I know big directors like Christopher Nolan love him. I, I don't know that I would call him underrated. Everybody, I've never talked to anybody who says, nah, I don't think he's very good. I mean, everybody seems to know he's really, really gifted. Anyway, uh, Peaky Blinders, Rob and I were talking about this the other day. Peaky Blinders is one of those shows that I did try because everybody talked about it. And I got about three or four episodes in. And I just tapped out. It's like, I, eh, it just wasn't wasn't really working for me and all that much. Did you ever watch Peaky Blinders? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think yeah, of it? Yeah, I think I did two seasons and then I fell off for a while. And then it's on my list. I love it. Oh, see, I know a I lot of people it. love it. Like Rob loves it too. He He's totally so hardcore. It. And I feel like, you know... I don't know really what that time is like. It was like, but I feel like whatever it was, it mu he That's must it. exactly be like people in that time. I think it's awesome. All right. What's next? Willow says, thank you for coming forward and admitting that you enjoy Nickelback. Look, all I said was they're really <laughs> not bad. <laughs> While I think a lot of their songs sound alike, I don't really get all the hate for them either. That is the number one most legitimate criticism of Nickelback <laughs> is a lot of their songs sound alike. Yeah, I remember back in the day, a buddy of mine um, took two of their big songs mm -hmm. 
and made one MP3 out of it. But the left speaker only had the one song and the right speaker only had the other. Oh no. And it's like, it's like this. They just basically copied their own (laughs) thing. I mean, the lyrics have totally different meaning, but these, I mean, that is seriously, that is the most legit criticism is their, their, their content library sounds very, very similar. There's no, there's no denying that Willow. There's no denying that. All right. What's next? War Doctor 10 says, hi, John, have you ever considered ending your Schmodown retirement and going after the Star Wars title? I've considered joining myself, but I missed the audition window. Thoughts? No, I'm good. I, I simply don't. Listen, I, I was just talking about how I don't even have time to watch TV shows. I do not have time to do anything. Hey, you know, Christian and I, we still, we talk all the time, like whatever, but I just don't have time for that. Not to mention what would be the point. There's nobody they have over there in the Star Wars category that can come close to me. Like not one of them. It would be like a man beating up children. There's no, and what would be the gratification of that? What's What satisfaction is there in that? There would be none to be had. The only guy who ever gave me a true run for my money was Sam Whitworth. He was the only guy who gave me a run. That dude's a beast. And I beat him twice. And obviously, you, you got to mention Ken Knapsack. Obviously, he's brilliant. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it would literally be a grown man beating up children. There's no, there's no contest in that. But... No, uh, they're doing great things at Schmodown. It's 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 amazing to see the way Christian has had that thing continue to evolve, and it's fantastic. But I simply do not have time. I I just don't. Now, Christian, I have talked about that. Maybe someday, you know, with schedule ever, ever line, maybe me and Christian could join up and do, do the uh, call the play by play on some Schmodowns again because he and I had a lot of fun doing that. But maybe someday that can happen. But I just don't have the time for it right now. And they're doing great things, so. There's that. All right. What is next? Friday night says, peace, John. A couple of things. Have you ever thought about filtering the questions before the show so that questions meant for Rob, Aaron, or Kim can get answered before they leave? If not, then what's the best time to submit a question for them if you live in New York? It's, it's, it's honestly a crap. Oh, there's part two. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. That's right. I also had a chance to watch Batman vs. Superman again and... Got so depressed when I saw the test drive of the Batmobile in the special features. There should have been a Fast and Furious style daytime chase scene to appreciate the work they put into that Batmobile. Your thoughts? Well, that's not really the aesthetic they were going for in that. Um, as far as no, I, I, I look time like what what time do I have to go through? You know, literally. I'll kid you not right now, uh, me and, uh, and Kimberly, we're working off of a 56 page document right now of unanswered questions. I, I don't have time to go through, uh, quite, for, well, there's two reasons. Number one, the, one of the reasons I don't like to go through the questions in advance is because I do like to have them hit me fresh so I can give honest, unscripted, unprepared answers. So there's that. And sometimes that means I get caught flat-footed. Like somebody will write in and ask about this movie from, from a certain era, and I'll go, oh, you know what? I've never actually watched that one. So the downside is it means I get caught flat-footed sometimes, but that's cool because that's real. That, that's honest. But the second thing is I would never possibly have time to do that. I just don't have that kind of time uh, to go through, filter out questions and blah, blah, blah. The reality is because people send in questions 24-7, 
they like people don't only send in the questions as the show is live. You can go. And by the way, why don't I bring this up right now? Uh, you can go anytime by using the tip link in the description of this video and clicking on it or sent, simply enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show or in one of the videos. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you very much for that support. Um, but what that also means is that there's no particular time window to send them in. The, the smarter thing to do is not to send in a question that is specifically for Aaron or specifically for Rob or specifically for Kimberly. It's just to keep your questions in general because I can't guarantee, like quite often people went in and say, hey, Rob, and Rob is here. But that's kind of lucky. So there's really not a specific time that is the best time to send it in other than as soon as possible. You know, as soon as possible is generally the best time to get it sent in because we do other than right now, it's Monday. So we don't answer questions over the weekend and we didn't have a show on Friday. Generally, we try to make sure all the questions get answered within 24 to 36 hours that they get sent in. And sometimes we get like last week, you and I got all caught up. We were like, boom, boom, we got boom. completely caught up. And so all I the scrolled shows, to the last and I was like, oh my God, we, we actually got through we them finished. all. <laughs> um, so when we, what happens is we, like sometimes we're doing the John Campus show and it's questions that are just sent in that day. Sometimes maybe we're a day behind, but unfortunately it just means I can't, I can't tell you when would be the right time to send it in. It's just, you send it in. And if it's specifically for Rob, uh, it's a coin toss. It's a coin toss. If he'll actually still be here when it gets on, but that's the best we can do. Unfortunately. All right. What is next? Tony Stank says, how was S.W.O.R.D. tracking Hex Vision if he's not really made of vibranium? Can Wanda make Hex Vibranium? And if so, why not make Hex Avengers to fight Agatha? Or is this just a sweaty plot hole? No, look, I think she may, my interpretation of it was this, and I've, I've said this several times, that when you, if you're in the Hex and you're in the 1950s era and you see a 1950s car, it is as real of a 1950s car as anything else until it leaves the hex. Um, so my interpretation, and they never confirmed this in the show, but my interpretation still remains that inside the hex vision is as vision as vision. He is as real as anything inside the hex. That means what he is made of in the hex is as vibranium as any, you know, uh, tool or measurement device can ascertain. He is vibranium. Now, of course, when he steps outside of the hex, he becomes as flaky as a pastry and it all falls apart and, and gets sucked back in. But that's how I, I determine myself at any rate, how they were able to trace him because in the hex, it's vibranium. At least that's my assumption right now. All right. What's next? All right. This is from Jordan Matthews. Hey, John, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie, but my favorite moment in the series is the duel between Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi. The music is amazing. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite moment in all of Star Wars? Thanks and keep being awesome. Oh, dude, I've said that many times. The Emperor's throne room scene and sequence in Return of the Jedi is the greatest moment, is the greatest series of moments at any rate of all Star Wars. To me, the Battle of Endor is fantastic. This Battle of the Second Death Star is fantastic. All that's great. But it's the throne room scene that truly is the culmination of the Star Wars trilogy. That The drama going on, the music, the visuals, the sound effects, the Emperor himself, it is 
the best of Star Wars. That moment is the best of Star Wars. That whole sequence culminating in, in Luke taking his father's mask off him. It is the best of the best. And uh, so I'm with you on that. That is my favorite as well, Jordan. All right, what's next? Schnepp Lives Stay Sweaty says, John, seeing the success of week-to-week streaming series such as The Mandalorian and WandaVision, do you think Netflix will adopt this model for Stranger Things Season 4, or will they stick with their binge model of releasing all episodes at once? Netflix, I can tell you, is going to start experimenting with week-to-week releases. It, they, they just see what the results of that are. They want to get some of that. But they're not just going to rush into it. I think we're probably two or three years out from seeing that kind of becoming a thing and maybe even longer than that. Um, So no, I don't expect, I mean, maybe they do, but right now I wouldn't expect them to rush ahead and do something like that for season four. I think they're going to keep to their model for the next while. They're going to very slowly start to experiment with different things. But I still think we're a few years out from that happening. So we'll see. But I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't expect it for season four, even though I think that would be a brilliant move for them to do. It'll Stranger Things, if season four is any good, which the other seasons have been good, but if it is as good as the other seasons, it'll hit a level of popularity that even Stranger Things hasn't had before. But again, I think they're going to be a little more patient with it and they'll wait. All right, what's next? William says, went back and watched episodes four and five. Unless I missed it, Darcy did not see the commercials. They did see a freeze frame of the 80s episode intro on a sword screen, but they did not see the commercials. You know, I wondered about that myself, but then I had a bunch of people write in and say, no, no, John, in this episode, at this point, you, you can see she's watching one of the commercials. So I... Now, I haven't gone back to verify that myself, but when I asked that in the live show, like a whole bunch of people wrote in this live thing, yeah, yep, that's where it happens and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I don't remember it myself. Huh. It's a small detail that I wouldn't have paid much attention to at the time. Yeah, I think but she did. I was wondering about that myself. I was wondering. I think she when had... she was talking to someone and it was showing the screen in the background, one of the commercials. Maybe. Because that's maybe. one of the questions um, I was wondering throughout as as well. Yeah, Good did point. she even know the commercial? Who was the, who was the, who were the commercials for? I'm really bitter uh-oh. That they did not specify the people in the commercials. Like, now, did they, said, when it went to real life, did they show those actors? Somebody said to me. Because if they did, I missed it. I did too. Somebody said to me, and I haven't gone back to confirm this, that when you get to the end of the finale and Wanda's in the street with all the people. Yeah. They said you can see those two people. And there. I was looking for I, them. I didn't notice it. And maybe they're right and they're there. But I mean, of course, my big theory in WandaVision that I was most certain of was that those two actors in the commercials were actually Wanda's parents. I was so certain of that mm-hmm. and so very wrong. Um, that was the first really big wrong one I got. That was in the early on. That was my first big wrong theory was that those are her parents and they weren't. Yeah. All right. What's next? William says, I know we are all hyped up for the finale, but I think it's important that we really manage our expectations. We have so many questions we want answered and have so many predictions we want to happen. It may not go the way we want. Don't get bent out of shape. That is actually the wisdom of the week. I mean, we just spent, we just did a big segment earlier today on the John Campus show talking about how um, we allow our own theories to sabotage our enjoyment of a show. Look, I love the theories and speculation. I think it's one of the most fun things in fandom. We should absolutely engage in wild, uninhibited speculations and theories. We should absolutely do that. But before the show or the movie starts, 
we need to, when we're walking into the room where we're going to watch the movie or the show, we need to take all those theories and speculations and, and theories and drop them at the door and leave them there. Um, and so I, I think a lot of people, because the, here's the problem. It's great to be into speculation and theories. I am too. We all are. It's great. But when a show fulfilling your theories becomes a prerequisite to you for enjoying the show, well, then you're just sabotaging yourself. Then you're just sabotaging yourself. So you got to just be willing to take whatever theories you have, whatever speculation, whether it's based on things that happened in the movie or the show or not, and you got to leave them at the door and then move forward from there. If you don't, you're only robbing yourself and you have nobody but yourself to blame. And hey, look, we've all done it. I've done it. You've done it. Everybody's done it. And that really came to the forefront in WandaVision. But uh, anyway, that's I think that's well said, William, and, and that's how we need to approach it. Okay, what's next? Cap Obi-Wan Kenobi says, hey, John, love the show. What if Tony Stark is the mystery cameo? It would make sense. There would be a lot of hype from Tony Stark returning from the dead. Yeah. See, look, I, I remember earlier in the series, I said, you know, that would be a huge one. It absolutely would. However, it would have been completely random and out of nowhere that would not have served the story and would not have made any sense to the story. And that's the one thing about Kevin Feige story comes first. I mean, he's not just going to drop in these massive rando cameos for no reason whatsoever. And it would have been that. So, I mean, it would have blown everything up. Robert Downey Jr. is coming back. He is coming back just like Chris Evans came back. Uh, Robert Jr. will come back, but not quite yet. Give it another year, two years, three years, whatever. Then he'll come back, but not quite yet. All right, what's next? Jay Etherington says, post-credit scene theories. Also, I hope the kids stay alive and they follow Wiccan's comic book LGBT storyline. Cheers from Australia. We'll miss this. Yep, and of course, I, I, I told you, those kids were not making it out of this, and sure enough, they did not. Um, but listen, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be future iterations. I mean, the final end credit scene of WandaVision kind of told us that she is, again, you know, look, one of the things they showed us about Wanda in, in all of WandaVision is she can be selfish, which I kind of like because that's true of everyone. Mm -hmm. So she hijacked everybody's life yeah. um, while, you know, trying to bring about her own fantasy thing. And the very first thing she does the very first thing she does when she gets the, the um, uh, what do they call the dark hold again, mm -hmm. was she's trying to figure out how to do something selfish. She wants to recreate her kids again. And mm. so there was all that. But I do believe at some point we will see Wiccan and Speed again. We will. All right. What's next? Karen S. says, I think the sword director is really a Cree searching for a weapon against Captain Marvel. Again, I told everybody uh, at the end of the day, Hayward is not some villain with plans of global clong conquest or anything <laughs> like that. He was just a big giant dick, a dick who wasn't very good at his job. Uh, but anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. But who but shoots at children? Cree. What's that? He did what? Who shoots at children, you oh, bastard. Okay. Here's the thing. I was having this debate with somebody because we went back and watched it again. He knew the kids weren't real. He knew the kids were constructs inside the hex. He knew we were And this is the funny thing. So I was like, I was talking to this friend of mine who's, who's just adamant that, oh, it was so evil that he was trying to shoot the kids. I'm like, wait a second. So you're getting mad that he was shooting at these entities that he knew weren't real. Yeah. You're mad at him for that. That makes him a monster. But Wanda did kill them. 
Wanda yes. wiped them out of existence. Guilty, guilty. Uh, that was a <laughs> little Good bit night, of... Uh, <laughs> right? Right? Drink this Kool-Aid. But of course, the Kree did show up. Uh, or the Skrulls, not the Kree. The Skrulls did show up at the end, which is what did it. you think of that after credit scene? I, I was it. so excited to see that because we, we had a lot of far out theories and that one, it wasn't too far out because it's like, okay, it makes sense. But, um, I didn't, I actually didn't think a scroll would be in the end credits. And I was so happy when that happened. And I was immediately thinking of the, the Nick Fury series, but yeah, you know, it could either go into that or captain Marvel too. Um, but I was like, thank you. Thank you, Marvel, for giving us something to chew on. Yeah, until the course, next thing. She I loved knows it. the scrolls. She yeah. she grew up with the scrolls. Yeah, and actually, the here. Let me ask you this: When she was referring to who she has sent her, yeah, do you think she was talking about Talos? Or do you think she was talking about Fury? I thought Talos at first, but then I was convinced that she was probably talking about Fury. I think it was Fury. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, and that is a good question. Will this get played into a Nick Fury series that they've been talking that they're doing, or? I still think it's going to be Captain Marvel 2. Look, they planted that line showing that scene, showing us that she clearly has some animosity towards Captain Marvel. There's some stuff there. That wasn't for nothing. Mm -mm. So I'm I'm guessing it's going to be probably Captain Marvel 2. All right. What's next? Nick Loves Everything says, Baseless speculation. Evil Vision survives. Whoever Evan Peters was keeps his powers. U.S. agent in Sam and Bucky show. All stick around as government employees, setting up Thunderbolt's story down the road. Well, we already know about a few things. Turns out that one Vision wasn't actually evil. Uh, he was just programmed a certain way. By the way, that scene. Vanilla Vision. <laughs> of the Vanilla Vision. I love it. Of Vanilla Vision and Hex Vision, when they got into the whole philosophical thing. I was like, this is one of the best moments of this series. This, this was, I mean, their action fight was great, but I'm like, this is better. I loved that. Oh my God. It was so good. And it explained it very well. Yeah. Kind of. Cause you're like, what, what, what? I thought it explained it really well. How he's like, no, you're real vision. You have his memories. You are let not me, vision. And yet you and are yet vision. And yet you are. And it, let me unlock whatever files, you know? And then all of a sudden when it showed the montage and I was like, for me, I was like, Oh. What I was surprised at was how accurate that was, at least this interpretation of Vision is, to the comic. Because we've oh. been talking about it on the show, because in the comics, like when White Vision basically shows up, it's basically the same thing. He's got all of Vision's memories, hmm. but he's not Vision. And so th- there's a scene in the comics where he's talking to Wiccan and Speed, who are Vision's kids. Mm-hmm. And he says, I made the same parts of your father. I have all of your father's memories. I look like your father, but understand I am not your father and I am not your mother's husband. Uh, I am something different. And when they unlock those things and he opened his eyes, I am the vision. It was like, that is so accurate to what they did in the thing. And I think they're going to play that because some people were saying, well, if he got all of his memories back, why didn't he go to find Wanda? Because while he's got, access to those memories. He's not emotionally attached it's to not her. him. That's not his love. Remember that the mind yeah. stone isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. The mind stone is a part of what made him who he was. That's not there. And so what he is now is something different. And it's good. One of the big questions lingering after the show is what ha- Where did he go? He pieced out. I was like, he has a I didn't process. even see him fall. I didn't, I mean, I may have missed it, but I didn't because I was like, where'd he go? And then I thought, okay, maybe in the last shot, as I see Wanda walk this way, I'll see him 
fly this way. He just peaced out. Yep. Where did he go? He's got a lot to process. Like imagine that, like your whole understanding of your existence was just fundamentally changed. You're probably going to want to go somewhere. He's like on a park bench. Like, I I don't even know. I was joking about it first, but now I think it's true. I literally think he's just up sitting on the moon. I think he's just sitting on the moon, just trying to figure (laughs) out what the hell am I at this point? So I, I don't know. There's got, they got some interesting things they can do here. All right. What's next? Lawrence Baker says, you can dream about things that actually happened. If this was all a dream, but at the end, she wakes up in Dr. Strange's sanctum sanctorum and he was reading her mind. Would you still be annoyed by it ending in a dream? No. I mean, if look, lots of movies and shows start off with the ending. Mm-hmm. with then normally a voiceover. I bet you're wondering how we got here. And then they'll go mm-hmm. back. And so if they pulled something like that where she wakes up in a thing, but was actually, look, the part about a dream that pisses me off is that none of it actually happened. If she wakes up at the end, remembering things that really did happen, then that corrects that. Of course, they didn't go that way anyway, so it's all good. But no, if they had done that, it would have been perfectly fine. All right, what's next? One shot says, I really think having Evan Peters in this show means that he will be some other version of the character or at least a new speedster altogether. Otherwise, I think casting him was a waste and a poor meta joke. Nope, 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 nope. And I told y'all the moment he showed up, I said, that's not Quicksilver. This is brilliant misdirect casting. Like, And listen, here's the thing. I've been talking about this on the show recently for years, years. We've had fans with various different properties suggesting, oh, you know, they should cast in this. And there would be somebody who used to be associated with the property. Right. But just have them as something else. Right. A good example is that a lot of people in recent years is like they should totally cast Toby Maguire to be like Uncle Ben in like whatever. Like everybody's always asking for these stunt castings. And sometimes it's a good idea for a stunt casting. Sometimes it isn't. But fans have been calling for it for forever. So Kevin Feige is like, hey, listen, we're supposed to have this fake Pietro. Wouldn't it be awesome if we went out and got Evan Peters to do that? It was brilliant. It was beyond brilliant. And I know all the soggy bottom boys out there who were so invested in this actually being Quicksilver actually got their little (laughs) soggy bottoms hurt that it wasn't him. But it was, as I said from day one that he showed up, it's not really Quicksilver and it's brilliant casting. It is brilliant that he did that. And it's the type of thing that fans have been asking for for years. Only now he does it because we associate with theaters. This is going to be how they bring in X-Men, everybody. And it wasn't, of course. And now they're just all kind of upset. It was brilliant, fantastic casting and a great misdirect. Got us all talking. And uh, I like the way it ended. To me, it was utterly, utterly perfect. But it's all subjective. It didn't work for you. It didn't work for you. And that's totally cool. But... I thought it was completely perfect. All right. What's next? Lawrence Baker says, do you think there will be a post credit scene? Nope. The next MCU film is Black Widow, but their next show is Falcon and Winter Soldier. But they're filming Doctor Strange now. So obviously we do know there were two post credit scenes and both com- completely connected into WandaVision itself. Although the second post credit scene opens the door for what may come in Doctor Strange too. So that was good to see. But I mean, look, I said... When they had their first post-credit scene, which I believe was the the Snoopers gonna snoop, 
Super uh, Jon Snoop. Mm-hmm. Once they did that, I said, from now on, we're going to have post-credit scenes. For the rest of the series, there are only a couple episodes left, but we're going to have post-credit scenes, and they did. And uh, that's how I see them tying in. All right, what's next? Icy says, honestly, not going to happen theory incoming, but would be insane. Final battle is going when all of a sudden everything stops and lo and behold, Patrick Stewart slash James McAvoy rolls up, blah, blah, blah. Then we get the you're not the only one with gifts. Listen, I said from like near the beginning, uh, I said from near the beginning that imagine everything's going uh, along. And, you know, I never thought they were going to bring in X-Men or stuff like that. But but the idea of, of a Patrick Stewart or an Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, whatever, showing up at the end. Imagine there's a big battle raging at the end. And all of a sudden you see this close-up shot of a wheelchair just from the wheels, halfway through the wheels to the ground. And you just hear this voice in Patrick Stewart's voice. I believe I can be of some assistance or something like that. Are you like, are you kidding me? The internet would have literally shut down. It just would have, <laughs> it just would have shut down. People would have lost their minds. Now, I'm glad they didn't. That would have been too gimmicky, and I'm glad they didn't go that way. But, oh, my goodness, we all would have freaked out. I mean, we all would have absolutely had a major freak out, and it would have been it would have been something people would have talked about for years, like maybe forever. Anyway, all right, what's next? Brendan O. says, what if they took white vision – back in time and transferred original vision's consciousness into him i know the mind stone gives vision his humanity wishful thinking because i'll miss him so much so excited for tomorrow well i mean time travel was never really a part of the show so that was never really a dynamic i know there was a popular theory going around that somehow wanda was going to merge in the consciousness of hex vision into the body because you know his body can't exist outside of the hex into the body of white vision but you know, he wasn't anything that made Hex Vision real. It doesn't matter whether he's in a host body or not, would have been evaporated and disappeared anyway the moment the Hex was gone. So that really wasn't going to work. But I know that was a popular theory and one that I thought maybe might be a direction they would go into. But, you know, they didn't go that way. And But we all now know there will be a different version of a Vision flying around. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they treat him moving forward. All right. What's next? Colby Collins says, hi, John. I started watching your show about a month ago and I'm a huge fan. I watch your show every day. You bring all of us together to discuss things that we really enjoy. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, listen, Colby. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. And it is, it's, it's honestly every day that I wake up that I know I get to do my show and I get to hang out virtually with my fellow members of the online fan community. It's a good day when we get to get together to celebrate and talk about and speculate about, argue and debate about the things that we have a shared love for. It's always a good day. So thank you for joining our community, man. And thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it, Colby. All right. What's next? S beam says we saw that vision is just a projection of Wanda. She created him when vision had doubts of the hex. Do you think that was Wanda's subconscious questioning the reality of everything? Or do you feel vision has a consciousness of his own? I think that they, they answered that very well in the last scene. You remember the last scene between Wanda and vision and just before the hex closes in and vision dies. Um, he what says to her just I? last thing. Um, what am I? Mm-hmm. I think the very fact that he had that awareness to even yep. ask that question was, it wasn't just the vibranium that was practically real. It, it, he was a self-aware conscious being. Mm-hmm. Um, when you ask questions, it brings in. 
I think therefore I am. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was trying to, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I basically. mean, so I, I think S-Beam, it really was that he was aware he was real, but there was no way, one understood there was no way she could keep the hex up. It, it, she couldn't allow it to continue to happen. And that meant sacrificing her not real kids that she had known all of three days. And it meant sacrificing vision again. But that was part of her travel of acceptance and understanding they weren't really real anyway. And I loved her answer to him. It's like, I was just going to say that. You yep. know, her answer to him was great too. And they shared that intimate moment. Yep. And then he was gone and she found herself back in that empty lot. And it was perfect. That was a perfect ending. It, it was so well done. I loved it. All right. What's next? Dish Boy says, hey, John, I like the idea that at the end, the vision's... The visions merge and he completely leaves Earth and goes into outer space like Dr. Manhattan. Well, listen, I was saying a little bit earlier, I could just see him sitting on the moon. That's kind of what Dr. Manhattan did. It was either the moon or Mars or whatever. He just went and hung out there and chilled out for a while. So again, obviously that became a pretty popular theory and it, it's not one that they ended up doing, which is fine. I mean, they pretty much established vision what in whatever form he is. He couldn't exist outside of the hex. So that was kind of gone. And besides, And I like that because it would have taken away the stakes. Like if Wanda could have just shut down the hex with there being no consequences and no cost, then narratively, how's there any weight to that? Her deciding to shut down the hex had to come with a price and that was the price. And I really like the way they did. I mean, that was a good theory too. That was a very good theory, but I like the way they did instead. All right. What's next? Texas chance says biggest OMG cameo I can fathom. Ed Norton as Bruce Banner from Crazy <laughs> Multiverse Hulk. Mind blown. Except here's the thing. Ed Norton is not a multiverse Hulk. Ed Norton, a lot of people forget this. Unlike the other uh, Hulk movie, and I'm trying, the, the, Nick Nolte was the co-star. Eric, Eric Bana. Bana. Eric Bana. Um, unlike the Eric Bana Hulk, which is a different multiverse thing. That's That's not the Avengers reality. The Ed Norton Hulk is this reality's Hulk. It's just they swapped actors. That's it. Like, uh, Mark is actually playing Ed's character. I mean, that's that's it. They just swapped actors. It's the same Hulk. It's the same character. So having Ed Norton show up wouldn't have been a multi-universe thing. It just would have been bringing the old actor back. So just something to keep in mind. All right, what's next? Gordon Zane says, is Wanda a witch or a mutant? If she's a witch and that's what kept her from being killed by the Mind Stone when they tested on her, what was Pietro? What kept him from being killed by the Mind Stone before Ultron killed him? Well, this to, to me, the show is very, very clear about that. There was, there was no ambiguity in the show at all. If you just go by what was clearly stated in the show, she is a witch. She's not a mutant. Kevin Feige did not have her as a mutant, nor is he ever going to make her a mutant. She was, because they created and brought her character into the universe before they ever even had the rights to mutant. She, he's not going to retcon his own stuff. And the show made it very clear. There was no ambiguity, no gray area, no room for interpretation. The show made it clear she's a witch, which raises the very valid question. Okay, she didn't just survive the stone, by the way. The stone chose her. Like, like, Remember, when she walked into the chamber, they expected her to go walk up to the stone and then touch it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happened. Like, mm -hmm. The stone became alive, came out, went to her, showed her a vision of her future self. Yep. 
and it, it imbued a bunch of its power into her. So it was very fundamentally different because it recognized she's this cosmic entity. She that is moment changed everything that I thought about her. Yeah. When I saw that little outline, because I, I rewound it because I was like, what was that? Was that a girl? And then I was went back and I yeah. was like, and she's got the crown. And I was like, oh, this changes everything. Everything. I remember thinking at first was, okay, so I wonder if that's a vision of herself. Is that a, is that Agatha's mother? Because remember when Agatha, she had, the, she the had the power crown too. Mm-hmm. I thought, or is it like some older generation's Scarlet Witch, like a previous Scarlet Witch before like her or something Black like that? Black Panther having a vision or yes, something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the perfect analogy. And then somebody sent me a photo, a, a still shot of that scene of the mm-hmm. outline, but with the contrast and brightness really exposed. And you could see, ah, it's actually Elizabeth Olsen. It's her. Oh, nice. My, the, the thing is, it does create a question. Okay. So none of the other test subjects had survived the process. But remember, Hydra was doing this, believing there was a way to turn regular human beings into super beings. Is that what happened to her brother? And that's what happened to her brother. My other theory is this. The other reason he survived it is because she made him survive it. Now that she had the power of the Mind Stone okay. in her, okay. I, I think, I think, and Grant, this is just theory. Mm-hmm. This is just theory. The th- my theory is that she probably helped him survive that process and the, the stone gave him his superpower. Mm. Much like, you know, Agatha was able to give Ralph Oh, Quicksilver superpower by just giving him a totem to wear around yeah, his neck, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes. So, look, again, you could argue. I feel like it's the same argument we've been having about Evan Peters is not Quicksilver, but it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Wanda is not a mutant. The show was very clear. It was very clear mm-hmm. that she is a witch. They said it explicitly. So, I mean, people can keep holding on to this thing that she's a mutant, but she's not. So, I mean, I understand in the comics, but this isn't the comic. So there's that. Okay. What's next? Matthew Milberger says, hey, John from Orlando. Do you think Agatha will pop up in future Marvel Studios projects or will WandaVision be a one and done for her character story arch? I've said for a while, you might remember this. I said for a couple of weeks now that I do believe Agatha gets out of this show. Because I believe they can use Agatha the way Q was used in Star Trek The Next Generation, where it just pops Mm. up every once in a while when you need some kind of plot device. And so I wasn't surprised at all when the series ended and they kept her alive. She she totally put her in the mind prison. And she just put her in the mind prison, not a Westview prison. Because, yeah, yeah. I can I my interpretation is that was that she probably just put her under house arrest. Like she probably just lives in her house. I mean, I don't know because how would the Westview residents not what's going on unless they, you know, mm-hmm. men and blacked her mm-hmm. by by uh, or men and black. And they the they town. have memories. Yeah, unless from that t- unless they wiped out the the town's memories. I don't no, know. No, they what were Wanda scowling did. at her yeah, when, when she was were. walking down the street. They were looking at her like, "You gonna say something? You gonna apologize? Yeah. Can I get an apology from you?" And she was just so like, "No, nah, I'm gonna go." So, yeah, I'm thinking they just kept her. <laughs> She's but- gonna be. I think she'll honestly pop up in like Doctor Strange, like walking down the street, and they'll bump into her and be like, "Sorry, Sappy Susie. Well, my apologies." <laughs> and then she'll just go away, and you'll not see her anymore in the movie. Remember what Wanda <laughs> said to her? Like, I guess like you're going to need me and Wanda says I know where to find you if I do mm-hmm. so you know they're going to come back to her mm-hmm. she was way too popular in the series so they will I she'll come back no doubt she'll come back 
she'll come back. Yeah. All right, what's next? Flipstar says, Wanda loses kids and vision, says no more magic, breaks the protection that protects the world, and reality begins to break leading into next films. And of course, we know that's not what happened. And it, it's so this this show, here's the thing. This show was a story that was a tragedy about a young woman trying to deal with unbearable grief. That's what WandaVision was about. It was not about breaking open the multiverse for everything. It was not about introducing mutants in the X-Men. It was not about bringing in Ghost Rider. This show was a tragedy about a young woman desperately trying to deal with her grief. And they always kept the focus on the show uh, of the show on that. And it ended with that. That's what the director Matt's meant in the days leading up when he said the ending of this series is the inevitable ending. And that's what it was. Now, I know there were some people upset that it didn't introduce X-Men and it didn't introduce multiverse, but that was never the purpose of the show. That's not the story of this show. And they stayed laser focused on the story. And I thought, uh, I thought it was great that they did that. I, I really thought it was great. All right, what's next? Nerdified News says Ultron, the most virtuous, the the most versatile substance in the planet, and they used it to build a frisbee. Hayward, the most versatile substance in the planet, and Wanda, you build it into a three billion dollar sex toy. Yep, yep. I mean, <laughs> basically, I, I, I mean, there. I, I still have so many questions. So many questions. I mean, I knew when they were bringing Wanda and Vision into the MCU, mm-hmm. we're all very aware of their romance in the in the comics. And I often wondered, I wonder if they'll do that relationship in, hmm. in live action because th- th- it raises questions. He's a robot and he, she's bumping uglies. But, with- some, but sometimes he's a man. Well, he looks like a man. But he is a robot with the power to make himself look like something else. Oh, yeah, that's true. And hey, Paul Bettany's a handsome dude. I get it. He's a handsome (laughs) dude. But at the end of the day, and I'm not not trying to be, I mean, often I'm very juvenile. I'm not trying to be make juvenile joke. I I still have philosophical questions about that whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. All right. What's next? Britton Tucker says, loved your movie trailer documentary. Thank you, Britton. Can I say happy birthday to my older sister, Brianne McCormick? You just did. You were the best sister a little brother could ask for. She she always took me to the movies when I was a kid. Aww. Hope you have a wonderful birthday. Love you, sis. That's so great, Britton. And, and to your sister, Brianne, I hope you had a wonderful, fabulous birthday and a great year ahead of you. And what a sweet gesture by your brother, Britton. That is really Good. nice, man. I love reading stuff like that. Thanks for sending that in. And again, happy belated birthday to your sister. All right. What's next? So sweet. That really like... That was great. (laughs) For Clemson. (laughs) I'm full pumped. Steely says, I hope I said that right. Steely says, I can't be the only one hyped for Kong vs. Godzilla. I love all the movies, recent ones, and the trailers keep getting me super hype. I love Godzilla, but King Kong is king for a reason. (laughs) Plus, gorillas are really cool. Definitely. Who do you like more, K or G? Oh, I'm a Kong guy. I'm Kong. Yeah. I, I'm Team Kong. I absolutely no don't I love Godzilla. I do. And whatever way they go in the movie, they go in the movie. But I am Team Kong all the way. Um, listen, I was not hyped for this movie because I was not a big fan of Godzilla King of the Monsters. I, I actually was quite disappointed in Godzilla King of the Monsters. So when Godzilla versus Kong was coming, I'm like, eh. And then that trailer dropped. And that trailer 
changed everything about my enthusiasm and excitement level for this movie. Now it is a must watch on the big screen movie for me. I cannot wait. So no, my friend Steele, you are not the only one. I am super hyped to see it and I will drive to Vegas to go see this on a movie screen the day it opens if they don't have Orange County open by then, but I will make that drive to Vegas. I'm already planning on it, so let's see how that goes. All right, thanks for that, Steele. What's next? B says, Coming to America 2, I guess can be best described as everything you'd expect it to be. That is a typical, nice, little, nostalgic 30-year late sequel that will likely appeal mostly to those of us old enough to remember the first movie. Awesome soundtrack, though. Oh, the soundtrack was great. But, you know, Rob and I, we reviewed Coming to America 2 this morning. Did you have a chance to watch it yet? I did. I did. I can already tell from the way you said that you felt the same way about it as I did. Uh, yeah. I, My, uh, yeah. I, let's put it this way. I didn't dislike it. I thought the the message was good. The nostalgia factor was on point. Mm -hmm. The musical cameos were wonderful. I was like, no, they did not. The, <laughs> the, the scene where Wesley Snipes' character is introduced by his hype man at the beginning. Saying, that was so funny. They based Mufasa on him. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean. The sun getting dissed at every turn. That was really funny. <laughs> it was. I mean, so he did a lot of things right. For me. The only problem, honestly, the only problem with the movie for me is also the biggest problem if you're a comedy. It didn't make me laugh. There were like two or three moments in the film. The the Wesley Snipes being introduced was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, there were two or three moments in the film that made me laugh. But the rest of it didn't make me laugh. And I am somebody who almost gets sick with laughter watching the original Pour out. But it just, crying. it did everything else right. Nice little story, good message at the end, good nostalgia. It did all those things right, but it didn't make me laugh. Well, what was your kind of takeaway from it? Well, one, um, I, I thought it was nice. Um, there were some funny moments, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm really like careful about when something is super iconic doing a sequel. You know, unless you're going to be great and you're going to do an Indiana Jones type sequel, if you're right. going to do a trilogy and make them all like that. But I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, and I was really hoping to see Samuel Jackson because if I'm if I'm correct, I believe that was his first film role. No. And that was the first. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, th I think so. I could be wrong, but I believe that was his first film. No, role. actually, I know that, that. Am I wrong? Was I'm it was it um, Jungle Fever? No, it wasn't even. I think it was the one where he was. Oh, second. I think it was. Am I wrong? I could um, be wrong. I could be wrong. I think it was the one where he was like a he was uh, in prison. Uh, for a murder, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Let me let me look it up here. So he has 194 acting credits. Yeah, give me a break because he's on IMDb. Worked, he's worked so much. So uh, if well, I'm wrong, his don't first come at me. role was something called uh, Toge uh, "Together for Days." Oh, that was probably hmm. very small. Uh, moving on, the displaced person, trial of the Moki. I'm not familiar. The, the examination, ragtime, uh, magic. Oh, rag so where was? Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find this. Because I'm like, he's such a that that would have been so classic. I wanted him to come in and still holding up a McDonald's and be like, man, you still <laughs> at this? That's it was you so didn't But I, you know, he did do that. I was wondering if he did that or if he did do the right thing first. Oh, he appeared in that. But no, yeah. you're right. Coming to America was one year before do the right thing. 
So okay. I so I forgot about that. And of course, the one that most people remember him probably first was probably Jurassic Park. That's where probably most people that hold, hold on, to, on your to your butts. Yeah, that was probably that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was one of the early, it was one of the early ones. That's a good call on that one. But I I I mean when I watch Coming to America, I'm in tears. I'm crying la- because I haven't seen a movie that's made me cry laughing <laughs> in a good while. Um, but I, I wasn't. I, I don't want to say I was disappointed because as soon as I heard they were doing a sequel, I was like, "Don't, don't get your, don't get your hopes up." You know what? I felt the same way. I feel like I that's saw a the standalone classic. Just once I saw the second trailer, okay. I thought the second trailer was great. Yeah, and I'm like. This is coming to America. This yeah. is gonna and I appreciate the casting. Now Wesley Great. Snipes, I appreciate him in this film. He's so funny. He's one of one of those actors. Like um, he's such an action. Like all my action '90s movies favorites come from oh, yeah. Wesley Snipes, really. But also, um, he was so funny. Mm. He was very funny in this. Yep. You know, but I mean, it, it gave me feels. But it wasn't. I, I wasn't calling. My sister and be like, girl, wake up and watch, watch this right this. now. Yeah. You know. Oh, uh, well. All right. What's next? The Wakandan Forever says, we've said goodbye before, so it stands to reason. We'll say hello again. Okay. It's no Wakanda Forever, but it was pretty good. LOL. P.S. Shut up. No, I wasn't. I was cutting onions. <laughs> WandaVision was great. I loved it. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I am with you. This show so far exceeded all of my expectations. Um, it was, I thought it was going to be a cute little novelty show about, you know, telling a story taking place in different sitcom eras. Da, 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 da. It turned out to be something far more than that. And it showed a new dimension to the MCU that previously wasn't there yet. So it makes me even more excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier. It really does. All right. What's next? The Wakandan Forever says, just when I thought our chance had passed, you went and saved the best oh, for last. Oh, that song quote. I'm not yeah. even going to try to sing that. John, we have had over 10 years of Marvel shows and movies. I know it's early, but is WandaVision finale in the top 10 MCU storyline endings? Top 10 MCU projects. <sighs> That's hard to say. I mean, you need to let stuff like this marinate a little bit. Um, I mean, look, it's it's no Civil War. It's no Winter Soldier. It's not the original Avengers. It's not, you know, the original Iron Man. It's not the original Thor. I, I, I don't know. It's great. This is the hard thing about the MCU now. With very few exceptions, Thor 2, Iron Man 3, with very, very few exceptions, almost everything the MCU has put out, notwithstanding the crap external MCU stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Inhumans, which were, eh, let's not talk about those things, but with very few exceptions, just about everything they put out is either really good or utterly fantastic. So when something like this comes out, and it's not a knock to say, I don't know if it's in the top 10 or not, because everything they do is so damn good. At least so much of it is so damn good. So maybe when it's all said and done, give me a few more weeks to marinate on it, and maybe I'll think it's in the top 10. But it's just not where my head's at right now. I'll have to think of that a little bit. All right, what's next? I love this. Anonymous says, what is cheese? Oh, my gosh. If not milk persevering. Such, such. <laughs> That's good. That's good. By Poetry. the way, a top 10 Bongos. MCU moment. That is definitely a top 10 MCU moment. That what is grief if not love persevering? Oh, I'm getting the t-shirt. Oh, they've got to put yes. tons of, they got to put that on tons of, of merchandising. Tons and it'll all sell out. All right. What's next? Phil Hop says, hi, John. Big fan of the show from Northern Ireland here. Thank you, Phil. 
What a finale. Do you think Wanda trying to get her kids back through Darkhold is the key to opening up the multiverse in Spider-Man and or Doctor Strange 2? Also, how sick was Wanda's costume? Listen, I was a little bit worried because Wanda's costume is one of the more ridiculous looking things in the, in the comic books. It really yeah. is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. You can't do that in live action. They found such a great way to heavily adapt it and it looked awesome. I loved it. It looks so good. I I couldn't believe it when they showed her in that. Like it was just so well done, so perfect, so incredible. It it looked great. The finale was wonderful. And yeah, my guess right now is I don't think I think there will be references that come up in Spider-Man 2. I don't think it'll be as nearly tied into WandaVision as Doctor Strange or uh, Spider-Man 3. I don't think it'll be as nearly tied into WandaVision as Doctor Strange 2 will be. But yeah, I do kind of think she's going to try to basically you saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Absolutely. I kind of feel like the same plan Kingpin had. He lost the two people he loved the most. He wanted to get them back and he was willing to rip open dimensions to try to get them back, even though it put the universe and reality in peril. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that might be where this is heading, that she's going to try to find a way to recreate those children that were never really real in the first place. Mm -hmm. And she's going to try to find another reality in which they did live outside the hex, bring him in. And that'll cause the multiverse of madness that Dr. Strange has to fix again. That's a lot of assuming really, really early, but that's kind of my words to your guess on that right now. How do you, how do you think that's going to come into play? I, I think it's possible, but she'd have to go through another stage of madness and grief because they really did. Um, I was thinking like, you know, movies aren't officially therapy, but if you're going, you're trying to understand grief, this is a great series to understand the many stages of grief. Yeah. But she didn't end going back into madness. She really accepted it. Yeah. And especially when she said that to her kids and had the strength. So that kind of makes me feel like she's not going to try unless there's a way but then there's where that she can't hurt people. That she, maybe she thinks she can, but then there's that end credit scene. She's in the dark hole. And what's she thinking about? Her kids. The babies. She, I, I thought, and maybe I'm misinterpreting it. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it. That has been known to happen from time to time. <laughs> but I interpreted that she was going in that dark hole looking for a way to recreate her kids to get her without needing a hex or anything like that. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll I see. Don't know. We'll see. All right. What's next? The Wakandan Forever says, Jonathan Green, soul. Good luck on the date. Be careful, though. I know Wanda is hot, but she is emotionally vulnerable right now. I think it's too early for her to be dating. LOL. Go get them, Tiger. P.S. What new MCU questions and theories do you have now? Well, I mean, he's, of course, referencing my buddy, Jonathan Green, who we also, his nickname is Soul Video, so we call him Soul. Uh, He was going on a date the other night, so I was teasing him on the show, saying, everybody wish Soul luck and doing his thing, so that's right. The new MCU questions, I mean, I... Right now, I'm I'm out of questions, and I'm, I'm, it's a good place to be. Now I'm just waiting for them to show us what are the new questions going to be, and I'm very excited for that. All right, what's next? World 777 says, hi, John. Love your show. Thank you, man. In terms of scale and over 600 books written in the past 40 years, no SF or fantasy IP comes even closer to Warhammer, not Warcraft. Do you have any info if Hollywood will ever dive into such an amazing, amazing, huge universe? Um, I know there has been some, look, I know there have been 
tons of spec scripts written, tons. And I know uh, certain ones have been optioned, never actually happened. And I, I believe I heard recently there's a new movement to try to get something going on that. I am not, uh, look, I haven't delved a lot into the war, but let me tell you this. A quantity of books is not a replacement for quality of story. And while I played Warhammer, back in my buddy Rodney's, we had the full table out. I had all my Space Marines. We did the whole thing. Love the game. I I think it's a difficult one to do with a lot of quality. So I don't know. Look, if I had to bet $5, do I think we're going to get a Warhammer um, thing in the next five years? I would probably guess yes. I mean, it's a recognizable IP. That's something all the studios want. They want recognizable IP. Can you actually do something with it? Would it have a broad appeal? I'm not sure it would have broad appeal. And I know that's not what a lot of fans of the game want to hear me say, but I'm not sure I'd be there, but I'm not sure that game has broad appeal. So I don't know. But if again, if I had to bet $5 on if I think we would have a Warhammer movie in the next five years, I'm going to guess yes. I, I think we will. All right. What's next? Chris West says, hello, John and crew. Deadline just reported that Kalinda Vasquez will pin a new Star Trek film script. As a Trek fan, I find myself excited to get news of a potential new feature. I hope this doesn't stall out like others. What's your thoughts? I'll be honest with you, man. I am at a, I'll believe it when I see it phase when it comes to whatever they're going to do with Star Trek next. I mean, they have gone through several sets of writers that they said. They've also had several directors that were kind of, there still is, technically speaking, there's still a director attached. I can't remember the girl's name, but there's this, uh, there's a, there's a female director who's attached to direct something. I don't even know if she still is or not. There was the Quentin Tarantino situation that came along. Then there was talk that maybe the Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth one might get back off the ground again. And that died on the vine. So honestly, I'm a like, that's nice. I'll believe it when I see something at this, because right now they seem to have all their eggs in their television Paramount plus basket with discovery and the, uh, uh, the enterprise series that's coming and all that kind of stuff. But uh, again, I'm a kind of in a wait and see kind of mode. All right, what's next? BMC says, excuse me. So Wanda turns Agatha back into Agnes, then immediately destroys the hex. So is Agatha Harkness just roaming freely now? What was the point? Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit sooner, a little bit earlier. It's like, so I wasn't really clear on that. Did Did Wanda, before leaving Men in Black, all the people's memories of what had just happened? Because if not, how does word of what happened in Westview with an Avenger imprisoning 3,000 people in a town um, and for to live out her own fantasy and all that kind of, how is all that going to be explained? And then particularly when it comes to Agnes, how do they, you know, how is Agnes still there? Does she just stay in her house? Does, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a, that, that's a very good question. And I don't think they gave a very clear answer. And, and it's one of those answers that it's not necessary to know the answer to that question to, to, to play out the, the point of the story. But I would be curious to find out how they're going to say that all works. All right. What's next? Darth Rootski says, hey, Jay, this isn't the best show I've ever seen, but there is no doubt it's the most fun I've had going through this Wanda journey. A big part of that is you, Robert, Aaron, and all of the viewers out there who we took the journey with. Thanks to all. Thanks you know, to you all. We, we've talked about this before. Honestly, the, the, the week to week nature and then just talking about it every week with the fans and all that kind of stuff 
it has made me so much more, and I'm sure you felt the same way. It made me so much more invested in the show and just feel like it was a journey we were all taking together. And when you do it together collectively, it just makes it more fun. I mean, it's it, it's like sex. It's better when it's not solo. You go along collectively with everybody and it's just a better time. And I experienced that. I know a lot of you guys experienced it. And I'm looking forward to doing that again with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Here's hoping Falcon and Winter Soldier can live up to the high, high bar that WandaVision just left. All right, what's next? John Tarley says, hi, John. Uh, no significance with engineer, Dottie, Franklin, witness protection, bunny, Devil mentions, dislike Hayward lying slash shooting kids. Ralph reveal, ship of Theseus. Technically, Darcy. Oh, I'm sorry. Technicality. Darcy Van, Monica cool with torture slash locking kids up. That equals prison. No? Oh, I mean, listen. One of the parts of the finale that drove me nuts, that drove me nuts, Uh was at the end as Wanda comes walking back through the street and she sees Monica and Monica's like, these people will never know the sacrifice you made for them. And I'm like, lady, she did it to them. What are you talking about? She's not some heroine who came along and said, oh, look at these people in this need. I will sacrifice something to help these people. She's the one who did it to them in the first place. And that drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. Like we can be critical of Hayward's overly pessimistic view of Wanda and what she represented. Then you've got to be critical of Monica's overly optimistic and positive view of Wanda in this situation. Wanda was not a victim. Wanda was not something. something, She did this maybe initially by accident. But the show showed us that at some point, at several points, she, she realized was, what she was doing. She knew what she was doing and decided, I don't want to give this up. And so that part completely. Now, everything else, the engineer thing, we made a big deal out of that. The show never did. The show True. dropped two insignificant lines, two lines that we all, including me, built this huge theory around. But that was us. Dottie, they never suggested Dottie was anything other than Dottie. That was all fan speculation that made that up. Franklin, I do want to know what happened to Agent Franklin, the beekeeper. I I still do want to know what happened. The witness protection guy, I told you all from the very beginning, the witness protection guy is nothing. I don't even think they're ever going to mention him again because it's not important. Whoever that witness protection person was was just a plot device to get Jimmy Woo and the FBI to Westview in the first place. So that's nothing. The bunny, it's a witch's familiar. No big deal. Devil mentions. Those are all common phrases. We kept saying that whenever, oh, did you did you hear the guy say devil? That means Mephisto. No, it's a common phrase. Said that before. Anyway, but yes, the part that drove me nuts was the way Monica overly romanticized Wanda. It's like, oh, everything Wanda did was so of pure and noble and heroic. It's like, I... She should have said that while handcuffing her. Uh, well, why? <laughs> she could make him disappear. I recognize that. So. Well, I mean, somebody she, said to me, why, why did they just let her leave? I'm like... They all what just you saw what do? she did. What are they going to do? <laughs> what you going to do? Like, but I would have, I think that co- that conversation would have been, yeah, they, they, they'll never know. Uh, I do need to bring you in. Yeah. Like, you know, but not like, cause what she did was horrible. Like that, you do, when you um, a lot of the laws. Blonde, was it, Dottie was like, I have a daughter. She's eight years old. Can but she I, hadn't seen. Can I like bring her in? Can you make her one of the she characters? She hadn't seen her daughter. I was she like, hadn't seen her daughter because she was locked in her oh, room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that desperation of a mother 
literally asking, like, can you just bring her into this terrible situation as long as I'm with my child? I'm like, that is horrible. Yeah. Lady? Yeah, Monica. I don't know about All her. right. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll wrap today up. All right. Sloth is legend says, hey, John, very surprised to read your post finale tweet praising it. It did what you feared. It no, went total no, it did not. cookie no, it did cutter. Not. <laughs> Agnes, Agnes's motivation wavers from scene to scene. No, they did she not. She ends up just being vanilla evil. Wanda equals no accountability. IMO, very disappointed. Well, there, here's several things about that sloth. Number one, they did not do what I feared. What I feared they would do was the standard cookie cutter stereotypical thing where her vision and the kids would all band together and triumph and they walk off happily into the sunset and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do that. Now, Wanda didn't have the complete breakdown like I thought she would, but she still had to suffer even more loss. The kids died. Vision died again. That She had to lose all that stuff. There were consequences and prices to pay. She did come to a point of acceptance. No accountability, not really, because where's Wanda now? She's in hiding. She's on the run. Yeah. She, like, she, she, that's, so there is, and what was anybody from the FBI going to do to Wanda Maximoff? Nothing. There was nothing anybody could do. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I'm going to split. Yo, peace. Now, look, I, like I said before, Monica's response to it drove me a little bit crazy. Again, if you're going to be frustrated with Hayward's, pessimistic outlook on Wanda and what she represented. You have to be as equally frustrated with Monica's overly optimistic view of her too. But there was consequence. She is on the run and in hiding and the consequences are going to continue to be found as we move forward. Agnes's motivations never changed. She felt that power needed to understand it and then wanted to possess it for herself. It's not difficult to understand. I mean, that, that was pretty clear and that was pretty consistent uh, through the whole thing. But, uh, anyway, yeah, look, at the end of the day, just because I enjoyed it doesn't mean you needed to. But again, it was like I said going in. We can, like, I was looking for that Shakespearean tragedy ending where Wanda actually has a complete breakdown. Okay, they didn't do what I was looking for. Oh, well, that's a separate issue. Did what they do worked? And it did. It worked really well. And so that's why, I, why I'm always saying you got to take your expectations and what you think things should mean or you, what you want them to mean and leave them at the door and not let that impact your enjoyment or experience with what they do. So and that's just my take on it. That's just my personal take. But yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And they didn't do the cookie cutter ending. They did some with something in between. What I really wanted them to do, what I really didn't want them to do, and they found a middle ground. They found a middle ground and they made that work. All right, guys, that'll do it. For this installment of our companion videos, listen, there are still more questions to come, guys, like things like from uh, Super Duper Uber Nuber and others. Do not worry. When we get going on the John Campius show tomorrow, the next episode of the John Campius show, when we get to the live questions part of the show, we will start off with those and we'll continue getting caught up. We made some good headway here today and we should be all caught up by the end of the day tomorrow. I want to thank, of course, Kimberly Curran for being here. Kimberly, where can people follow you online and get caught up with you on social media? Yeah, so um, my Instagram is wasgoodkimberly, at wasgoodkimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. And I do have a Facebook. Um, it's Kimberly Ann Curran 
Uh, I have two Facebooks. It's the one in the pink shirt is the one that you can connect with me on. The other one but is you, completely locked down is and where private. you're most active, right? You're I'm most- totally most active on, on Instagram. I love to interact with you guys. And thank you for all the kind. People have been so nice. Thank you. I meant to say that. Thank you for being so nice, you guys. Um, and of course, you guys can follow me on all the various social medias, including Instagram, simply at John Campia. Okay, guys. That'll do it for us for now. Remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.